0: Hello to those of you who are tuning in for our Impact the World shows in this, the month of April. Because of everything that's been going on with the coronavirus and the fact that so many of us are quarantined at home, we've slightly changed our programming for this month. Most of our episodes are filmed many months ahead. And so what we've done for this month is curated special episodes that feel like they might be most relevant or pertinent to you while you're at home deepening your education, looking for entertainment, or perhaps needing to be inspired with what it is that you're going to do in the world. So stay tuned for this show that we have specially curated for you. We hope you really enjoy it. And thanks so much for tuning in. And hey, if you really enjoy the show, please do go to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating or a review. That kind of thing allows other people to find the show. So if you are enjoying what you're hearing or watching, we'd really appreciate a review. Big love. Welcome to Impact the World, the show for and about creatives, changemakers and entrepreneurs. This is a conversation episode where a special guest shares with me what they are creating and the the behind-the-scenes journey of their experience. I'm thrilled to be joined in this episode by my friend Sandy Sedgbeer, who I have known for about 12 years now, ever since we first got connected through our work. But what I'm loving for Sandy right now is she's having this real renaissance period in her own work. As you'll hear in the interview, she's done many different things over the years, but I really love her No BS Spiritual Book Club, which At the time of recording this interview was in its early stages, but right now is out and available in the world. And she has already featured my book, Energy Speaks, which is wonderful. And she has featured my own top 10 list on both her website and also via a Zoom interview. So I highly encourage you to check out Sandy's website and Sandy's work. Enjoy the show. Sandy, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So you and I go back a little ways. We first met in 2008, and I met you after I already knew one of your creations, which was Planet Lightworker at the time. But if we look at your whole career, you've been in front of and behind the camera in media for your whole career. And to anybody watching or listening who has maybe been interested in spirituality or consciousness, They might know you for Planet Lightworker, Children of the New Earth magazine, another big popular magazine um, when you were doing that. And you also hosted on the virtual light broadcast for Lightworker for 12 years. So I've got you here today because I'm loving what you're launching right now into the world. So would you like to share with us what your new endeavor is?
1: I regard myself as a shameless sharer if there's something good out there, I'm compelled to share it and introduce people to one another, I just can't stop doing that. So that's why I've created magazines, um, radio shows, things like that. But my latest creation, um, I didn't want to put myself out there again with something, but this came to me. And when it first kind of dropped in, I looked at it and thought, oh, no way, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Um, But the more I looked at it, the more I thought, this is kind of a culmination of everything I've done. You know, it's just another iteration, in a sense, because my entire career has been in media, publishing, sharing information. And um, I'm an avid reader. I've been an avid reader since I was five. I've worked in publishing. I've written books. I've read God knows how many books over the years in my own Journey of discovery, but also for the people that I've interviewed. And I've served as a judge for 13 years for the Benjamin Franklin Awards. And uh, in a way, when I looked at this project that dropped in, it was like, you can't really turn your back on this one because this is where you've been heading um, all of your career. What I'm going to do next is I am starting a virtual book club. The No Bullshit Spiritual Book Club. And the reason this dropped in was because I was getting so pissed off. Can I say that word?
0: You can. We've already said bullshit, so go for it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was getting so pissed off with the amount of books that were churning out and so many of them seemed to be rehashes of old material. It's as if suddenly, you know, the whole arena has exploded. So many people are waking up. We're in a really critical time. And um, I'm meeting a lot of people who have woken up and want to start moving quickly into whatever it is they're here to do. And they want knowledge. And um, I'm seeing that a lot of the publishers, you know, spirituality has gone mainstream. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the publishers are putting a lot of money behind certain uh, spiritual authors or um, names and I was reading a lot of books and wondering why have you written that book because that is a rehash of everything else that you've written or um, you know that someone else has written and the previous writer did it better and had more substance and so I thought people need a guide you know they need to be directed because all they're seeing is all the promotion that's going for the big names by the big um, publishing houses, and they 're missing so many other good books that are emerging and so that 's what I decided to do
0: so here 's what I love about what you 're doing. If I flash back so i 'm forty three now but when I started reading these kinds of books, I was about seventeen and i remember I, th- I think it 's different now, but I remember then you didn 't know what was what was good and what wasn't good. If it was your first spiritual book, you were like, oh, this is spirituality, oh, this is intuition. And at that point, you were, su- you were such a sponge, all right? I know I was, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But what I love about what you're doing is the curation aspect. And yes. you are so experienced in this field and with authors and with books. And I know this from a dinner that we had not so long ago with our dear friend Susie Miller, who we also do our monthly show with for On Times, um, that you have been known to throw books across the room. <laughs> tell, tell me a little bit more about that because I, I feel like that's key to your book club.
1: Yeah, well, having been doing radio, um, you know, a weekly show for probably the last, God knows, 10 years. Um, I get to read an awful lot of books, and quite often I get pitched by publicists. And my criteria is I am not necessarily going for the big names because I think there's an awful lot of people who do not get the attention. So it's not about the name of the guest, it's about what they're offering. And a couple of times, you know, I've been asked for a favour. By a publicist, um, or for whatever reason, maybe I haven't, I've read previous books by somebody who is a name and think, this one sounds interesting, I will do this. And in those instances, I haven't always read the book until a few days before.
0: So it's too late to cancel the interview if it's you don't like the book. too to cancel the interview. Right. <laughs>
1: And it frustrates me so much. You know, I've learned not to do that. I always read the books, um, at least glance through them. Um, and yes, a couple of times I have been so disappointed and really pissed off that I've tossed the book across the room and just, OK, I really don't want to do this interview. Right. And luckily, there have been times that's happened when I haven't had to do the interview because I've genuinely just recovered from a really bad cough or something and I can just prolong the cough a little bit and ask someone else to sit in. You know, because I don't, I don't want to attack people. I've never wanted to mm-hmm. do that. Um, I don't want to point fingers. I don't want to humiliate people. Um, I just would rather not do it at all.
0: What, what what you know because it 's such a big field, the spiritual field, and there are you know there are so many different subdivisions within that there's uh, holistic health there's intuition there's you can break down all these areas. what is one of the biggest bugbears or problems that you see happening in our field um, uh, you know things that mislead people or yeah. Yeah, what's one of the biggest problems that you think we're facing today? You
1: really want me to get started Of with course,
0: this? <laughs> of course. Yeah, that's why you're here. Um,
1: a few things. Because I've been in the arena so long, you know, I've, I've seen a lot and I've seen the arena get very, very crowded. Mm. And um, the thing that really bothers me is... people have information and they're very passionate about sharing that information and I think that's wonderful. And they get out there and they share it, and um, what happens is they get attention, and then they develop a career, they give up maybe their day job, and this becomes a machine. And now they have to keep it going. And sometimes people, certain people I've seen, are then caught in this treadmill, Hmm. and they've got to keep churning out information, they've got to keep, creating um, seminars, workshops, online events, etc., because this is what they do now. Mm. And they've given up everything to deliver their gift. And they become blind to the fact that what they're delivering isn't as useful as the first iterations of what they delivered. And I understand it's really hard for them to then walk away um, and I, I don't know how I would behave in that situation, but I find that very sad. And what I see happening is the messages get more and more diluted and people get more and more distracted by the, um, let's just say, the aura around that person, that they're being distracted down a particular road and not necessarily getting the movement that they're looking for. That is a big bugbear for me.
0: I love that you just said distracted by the aura because I remember it was about three or four years ago I was speaking at an event and um, uh, I remember the host of this event um, before they had me on stage, they were waxing lyrical about this person in our field. And I found it really odd because even though I feel like the person they were talking about, from my perspective, has grown and humbled a little bit in the last few years. At the time, I remember not really understanding. And when I asked her what it was that she so benefited from in this person's work, she couldn't tell me. But what she could tell me was that they had had 2,000 people up on their feet doing this thing. And what became clear to me was it was, oh, it's the rock star thing. And I, I, I get it too. It's, it's not actually about what that person is teaching, but it's about the fact that they're really successful and there is this aura. And so that's, that's, that, that kind of comes back to me as, as we talk about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I studied hypnotherapy. I trained in hypnotherapy. It is a bit like mass hypnosis hmm. and you create an experience and everybody rises. It's like a rock concert. You know, you've got that group of people there and it becomes very contagious and everybody lifts everybody up and people think, I had a great time at that event and that's wonderful. But did it move you on? What did you, you know, how did that actually benefit you and your spiritual growth and your journey? I don't know. In many cases, I don't think it does. From my perspective, you know, when we wake up, we're avid, you know, we are sponges, we're desperate for information. And part of our journey is to go out there Mm. and bring it all in. But eventually, we learn that the real journey is in here. And so people who keep you out there, you've got to come to this event, you've got to come to that, you've got to listen to this. You know, you've got to find it for yourself. At some point, you've got to go back in. And this is what I love about books, because you don't have to pay a fortune for Mm. books, but you can get the information, you can get the epiphanies and the aha's, and you can have that movement that you're looking for. But in a crowded market, and it is crowded, I mean, you look at the, the mind, body, spirit market is worth billions now. You go into any bookshop and what used to be a tiny little shelf is now a whole aisle. Oh. And, you know, I've gone in myself sometimes looking for something and I get so confused by Everything that's being thrown at me, I walk away with nothing. Um, And what I want, what I really want is to share what I think is substantial, substance, something that is really going to move people, something that is going to help them on their journey rather than just fill them with fluff. And there's a hell of a lot of fluff out there.
0: It's great and i think that's the power of what you're doing it's the curation um and i think that is gold the fact that you're curating things but also the critical thinking piece which i know you as a as a great thinker and a great mind and a great critical thinker and i think that the critical thinking is what gets lost in that auric field yeah, yeah. i mean i know for myself I, i've had times where i've gone to see a film that everyone's raving about. And when I was younger, if I came away and I didn't love that film, I would be all like, huh? what's wrong with me? Why didn't I? You know, now I'm like, oh, that wasn't for me. But I, but I think this leads to the other thing that, that I see coming up that, that, that I find tricky in the spiritual arena particularly is when people have had a direct experience that they are now teaching to other people as if that other person can attain it. I see this a lot, or someone who's espousing a spiritual rule as if it's a fact, rather than, this worked for me, this might work for you, it might not. You know, I think, I'm hoping that we come to a maturity around understanding that it's not one size fits all. And just because this worked for a million people, it might not work for everybody. And and we have to pay attention to that, which is what I think is is brilliant about what you're doing, that you're going to create this forum and this... This opening. So, if if you don't mind, you mentioned wake up, having the wake up a moment ago, and I, I was talking to you briefly before we sat down for the show, and you talked about your wake up and and what that was like. So, tell us about your own personal experience of waking up. When did it happen, and what was it?
1: Well, I was born curious, and I think from I was you know reading from a very early age, and I always wanted. I don't know why, but things with substance. And I I don't even know how I knew what that was back as a child. Um, But I was reading all kinds of um, occult books, you know, everything I could get my hands on. But it was always with um, a kind of investigative, uh, I wasn't quite sure what I was looking for. It was like, I'm pulling all this information in and that doesn't fit. Oh, that sounds reasonable. You know, I can kind of go along with that one. And it felt very much, you know, I'm a journalist, that's how I started my career, so I'm very sceptical, I want proof of everything, and um, that's why I started studying astrology, to disprove it, and then found that I couldn't. (laughs) But in 1987, something happened, and I can never pinpoint the day, but I remember I read, um, prior to that, I'd read all of Linda Goodman's books on astrology, and she was the big, back in the 70s, she was the big rock star of astrology. And then she came out with one book, and it had several different topics within that book. It wasn't astrology, it was things like purple plates and lexigramming and all kinds of stuff. And I thought, wow, she's lost it. Mm. Toss the book, (laughs) you know, and um, can't read any more of that. And then in 1987, the year of the Harmonic Convergence, Um, A few things happened that year. I bought my first crystal, and I uh, absolutely knew this crystal. I I knew I had to have it. It was a Herkimer, um, and I knew I had to have it, and I knew when I put it down on the table as she walked into my living room, something said to me, this is going to change your life. (laughs) Push that away. Don't want to hear that.
0: And, and had you been interested in crystals before, or was this? I'd just read
1: like a little bit about them, but not okay. not greatly. No. <clears throat> but suddenly, I developed this interest in them, and I'm still reading every, you know, kind of book that I can come across. But something happened in that year, and uh, and I don't know whether it was the harmonic convergence. I wasn't on Glastonbury tour at that time, but um, I don't think I even knew that it was happening. But I remember going into a bookshop and seeing this book by Linda Goodman, and bending down and going, "Oh wow, she's got a new book out!" And I started to read this book, and I thought, "This, this feels familiar." And all of a sudden, I'm in this book, going, "Yeah, yeah, yeah!" And it was a completely different experience. Same book. Same book that I tossed aside, and then. All of a sudden one day I had this revelation that I had not been searching for truth or to prove something. I'd been trying to remember something and I was looking for whatever it was that was going to make me remember. And I don't know how I came to that understanding, but it made sense of everything that I'd been doing. And what used to be this Pursuit, if you like, that was over there that I was always a little bit analytical about, I suddenly knew what I knew. And it was in here. And I understood. It was as if all of this information that I'd taken in kind of coalesced into something. And from that moment, I knew that I had to make so many changes in my life. And what I was doing, all kinds of changes, that ultimately, several years later, led me to move to America. Hmm. And I knew I had to come to America because I had to immerse myself in that spiritual movement. And it was all there in LA. And somehow I I had to get there. And uh, as luck would have it by all kinds of synchronicities, I ended up in San Diego. And I ended up with this opportunity to produce this magazine, Planet Lightworker, which wasn't mine. It was Steve Wothers, um, who used to run the Virtual Light Broadcast. He was trying to put it together. But because of my magazine background, he asked me to take it on. And I thought, this is perfect because I'm going to have the opportunity to meet everybody whose work I've read, everybody who's influenced me. And I'm going to be immersed in this wonderful, you know, beautiful, floaty, <laughs> spiritual arena. And, uh, and then I gradually had experience after experience that taught me about discernment. Yes. <laughs> because I met a lot of people who loved their books, really not so sure about you know, their authenticity, walking their talk. Um, lots of kinds of experiences I had, including with Planet Lightworker, which for the first time in my life, I'm working on a project that I, I don't have the means to control because it, it was controlling me. You know, right down to... What do you to, mean by that? Well, you know, in the normal world of magazines, which I was very well versed in, um, you know, you plan your magazines months out, you get your content in, you, you, if you have themes, you you know your themes. I never knew what I was publishing, and sometimes until the last week of the month. And I'd get this information, but it was very much a... this This has to go in. It wasn't a critical well, we're going to balance out, you know, we're going to have some articles on this and some articles on that. Sometimes I'd get three articles on the same topic, but all three of them were presenting, you know, stuff. They've all got to go in. And so for me, it broke all of the rigid rules that I'd lived my magazine publishing days by. And I began to realise, wow, this thing has got an energy of its own. It's telling me what it wants. And um, so it was a great training ground for me, but it was also a great... Training, opportunity, and discernment. And, you know, don't just believe, separate the message from the messenger. You know, the message might be good, the messenger might have feet of clay.
0: Yeah, oh, so much in what you just said. And the, the first thing that comes for me is just the humanity that we all have. And I think often, at the, you know, the the way that we ascribe to a spiritual person or a gifted healer, um, you know, they might not be a great dad. You know, and, and that's okay. It doesn't mean they're not a great healer, but exactly. I think because we hadn't really examined that. Certainly, going back 20, 30 years, there was this kind of horror and this fall from grace of some of those people that you, that you would go through. Or sometimes <laughs> they might be an okay healer, and they might also be a really dodgy healer. You know, there was a, yeah. There's a as you said, there's a whole um, there's a whole gamut out there. Um, but I also love what you just said about Planet Lightworker having its own energy because. I've always said this to my team. Um, you know, I have a website. It's called leeharrisenergy.com, and it's beyond. Okay, my name might be in it, but it's beyond me. It's it 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 really does belong to the audience and what the audience need. And there are times that I will come up with some great idea, and you know, we start to walk towards it, and it's like, ah, uh-uh, you're not going this way. This is what's needed this month. And and the truth is, you know, I I, I believe that any spiritually or intuitively or energetically led business, that's the truth. Sure. sure, you've got to have some logic and some strategy, but that has to back up yeah. what comes from here yeah. and then it will work and that does keep you on your toes. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I have to say that throughout all the years that I've been doing this, the thing that I've come to is, um, it's, you know, you're a Genesis point for what you do. Yeah. I'm a genesis point for what I do. And therefore, nobody is, you know, is going to do that in the way that I'm going to do it or you're going to do it. And as a genesis point for that, your responsibility is to be aligned mm-hmm. with it. And therefore, you've got to be impeccable in integrity. And I do feel for a lot of people who have put their you know, changed their careers, moved into their passion, delivered their works and got caught in that hamster wheel. Mm. And now it's like I've got to keep the momentum going Mm. and that kind of wears away a little bit at the boundaries of what they're doing and why they're doing it and, you know, just to keep the machine going, sometimes they have to do something that maybe they don't really feel as passionate about. And I don't know how you deal with that because we're all human.
0: Well, you know what I think the key to it is? I think you've got to grow with your growth. So it's like if you have an external growth in the world, whether it's you make suddenly a ton of money or you get a big promotion or um, you become a bit of a somebody in a brand new arena, um, it's going to change you. And if you aren't willing to let it change you and go with it and do the investigative work that you need now to go to the next place because your identity in the world has shifted, even if it's only shifted in your work, it's going to have a knock-on effect on your home life. And, and, and I think to me that's the, that's the constant of life. We're constantly growing and I think this is why a lot of people have what they call success depression you reach that point where you know maybe you've got the house the family yeah. maybe you've got the money that you yeah. wanted and suddenly you're still not quite happy you're still not quite fulfilled so then people get depressed rather than going oh well this is interesting i've lined up all these things well then there's there's another thing in here and and i mean i i i feel for that syndrome i had my own moments around that when i was no longer trying to make something happen it was just happening you kind of like what do I do now? I'm not running after the horse anymore. It's just like I'm on the horse. Yes. I don't know how to be on the horse. I know how to strive. I know how to hope. And the horse can run away with you. The horse can <laughs> run away with you. And that's kind of what you know what you're yeah. what you're talking about. So I, I think yeah. that's when we have to dig deeper for the next yes. the next layer. Yeah. That's that's yeah. how I feel about that. And what I see when I see people who are quote unquote successful in their life, not their career is the ones who are willing to keep changing and yeah. they're not attached to that moment they had a hit album. Yes, They're like, oh, I had a hit album, that's part yes. of my life, but I'm not trying to make that happen again because some part of me is arrested there.
1: Yeah. yeah, and we've got to keep doing our own inner work. You can't stop. Some people think that I'm doing the work, I'm presenting this, or I'm writing that. They think that that is doing the work, it's not because you've yeah. got to be constantly working on you Absolutely. in order to remain that genesis point you know in its integrity absolutely to keep its integrity
0: absolutely so sandy one of the things that i wanted to do with this podcast and video show was to ask creators not just why they were doing what they were doing but what, what are the challenges? Because I'm, I'm fascinated by the creative process and I, as a kind of someone who's created all my life, but in different forms and with different levels of like pressure, I'm always fascinated by the creative process. So you had this vision to do this book club. You've got this incredibly accomplished career and body of work behind you that backs it up. Have you been completely fearless about putting this book club out or has there been anything that has been challenging as you've been walking towards it? Or
1: The only thing that's been challenging is getting the message right. You know, I don't... If, if an idea drops in, if I'm given the opportunity to do something and it excites me, I'm rather... I'm, I'm not the best person in the world to sit back and analyse and you know get the ducks in the row and get the business plan done and the finance in. I'm a doer, so I will just go ahead and do. Same that happened with Planet Lightworker when I got the idea for Children of the New Earth, which was really you know in the early 2000s when. All of the indigo children were emerging and there wasn't enough information and I was getting calls from people who wanted more information about indigo kids and I felt it's time for a magazine. So I just went ahead and did it. Um, because that's what I do, you know, I've got a great idea, I'm a shameless I've got Here, here, have it. And so Shameless I just
0: shamelesssharer.com. I think yeah. you need to get that website. But anyway, sorry, it. that's a whole lot. You Shameless have? sharing. Good, yeah. Good.
1: Um, yeah, it's just something you know. What drives me is being able to share. That's mm. that's always communication. I think you know. I'm a Gemini. I'm a double Gemini. Um, I have to communicate, and therefore, if if something is exciting me, I can't keep it to myself. Mm. You know, it's, hey, come listen to this, or look at this. Um, if you know people that have to meet, put them together for God's sake, because it just has to be done. Um, so I, I'm i not very smart in putting all the ducks in the row. I will just go ahead and do it. So that's what I'm doing with the book club. I mean, it. I've conceived the idea, I know what I want it to do. I know that I don't want it just to be about me and my views on what's good. I want other people that I respect, that I know have done a lot of work, read a lot of books, and can possibly put forward some ideas to help newly awakened people mm. or even, you know, experienced mm. journeyers further along the path. And so I want to bring in other people. Um, I want to have dialogues. I want people to be able to participate and speak with it. So there will be video sessions, live sessions, Zooms, where we can all talk to somebody maybe who's given us their 10 best books for that month. Um, I want lots of interaction with it. Um, So it's not a difficult thing to produce. All it needs is to be organised, get a website going, get it out there.
0: So it's interesting, as I listen to you talk, um, I I did a course last year called Own Your Value. And whenever I've been (coughs) training entrepreneurs, which that course was really about, um, I break it down into three roles as a creator that we need to have. And usually we're good at one or two of them and there's one that we have to develop. And that's the visionary, the architect and the builder. Now, doesn't mean you might not be an amazing visionary and architect, but you're not a builder. So you can't collaborate with someone who can build what you're, architecting, but it, it's interesting because it sounded to me like you were saying, I had the vision, I'm a good builder, I'm not I'm. I'm, I'm not necessarily great in the middle, but then you've just laid out the architecture of this thing. So mm-hmm. in, a, in a way, to me, it feels like you've got kind of three really solid levels there that you are working. But the thing that excites me most for you, having known you for many years um, and seen you out there as an interviewer and a, a host and... I like that this feels like community for you. I feel like this is you bringing your community in so the people who resonate with you and what you've done all these years, this is a community opportunity for them with you versus having to go through a show or, you know, and and I love that because I feel like community is what it's all about in these years.
1: You know, you've actually hit the nail on the head because I I learned about seven or eight years ago what my entire life, and my career path was about communication is it. Com- so when I was working in the media and I was working on magazines, I, would, I was probably one of the first people in England to start organizing events for my readers. So that, you know, I went to um, a health spa, had a fabulous week, wrote an article about it and thought it's not enough for me to write about it. They want to experience it. So the next thing was, hey, why don't we take over this place and get our readers in? I want to meet people. I want to talk to people. I'm interested in community. When I was in advertising, you know, I was credited with inventing the Magalog in England. The what? Magalog. It's it's a, you know, people in those days before the internet, mail order catalogues. So, for example, the agency specialized in direct marketing, Mm. they had um, many clients who communicated with their customers through a catalog, seed catalogues, beauty catalogues, whatever. I remember, yes, the catalogues,
0: yes. But
1: that's what it was. Um, We sell you this product, you buy from us. But the biggest problem a lot of these companies had is, how do we retain loyalty, Mm. right, of that customer? Someone else might come along with a cheaper product. We wanna, you know, and how, how can we grow and c- communicate with these people? So for me, the answer was easy. I've been in magazines all my life. Well, you give some pages over. And now if you're a seed catalog, you start putting a planting, you know, article in there, a calendar. Um, information that they'd have to go out and buy a book for. Now your catalogue isn't just selling them, it's becoming a resource for them. Mm. It's You're giving them added value. Now you're beginning to get their loyalty. They don't want to put that um, catalogue in the bin at the end of the month. They want to keep it because it's becoming an encyclopedia. So it was addressing needs for the customer to feel part of something and get value for money, You know, for their money that they were spending, But it also created loyalty for the company um, because people felt warmer about, they care about me. And, you know, it gets this kind of community going. Now you've got a community. So about seven or eight years ago, um, I had a reason to, you know, someone was asking me about my views about marketing. My views about marketing, and I've done the old fashioned marketing when I was with the agencies, is what I call resonance marketing. And that is about creating community, speaking with authenticity, and giving your customer, you know, fulfilling their needs. That's got to come first before profit. Profit follows. If you get those things right and you Absolutely. are genuine, then of course people are gonna love you. And so I realized, looking back over my career, I was doing those things all those years ago. I was pleasing myself, my need for communication, my need for community, you know to connect with those readers, to connect all the little dots up so that you can feel part of a family. So that's what drives me. That's why I like sharing. That's why I like putting people together. It all comes back to community.
0: And have there ever been times, because one of the things I love about you is you're a real straight talker. And I remember we were at dinner not that long ago and you said, oh, I wasn't always like this. And, 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 and I'm curious, like, what was the shift? What did it take to get you to, I would call it, own your power, own your voice in my language and in my world?
1: I think moving to America was good for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was, as a child, I was a mouse. And as a wife... A very young wife, I was a mouse. And people who know me now cannot believe that I would have been, you know, the little wifey under the thumb. Yes, dear, no dear, three bags, four. Um, The beginning of it was when I got divorced and I had to be mother and father for my children and I had to stand up for them. And that that was huge because I had to stand up and I had to speak um, and defend them. And uh, so that was a big, you know, getting out of my pram at the age of twenty-seven, if you like, mm. um, for me. But I think coming to America because it is, it is such an expansive place. I mean, you'll understand growing up in England um, how repressive and oppressive it can be. Yeah. Now, yes, I had a career where I was on television promoting my books. I had no problem speaking about those books. But off camera, it was a different thing about standing up for me mm-hmm. and owning my power in a personal way. But coming to America, something happened in the 20 years that I've been here that just partly the environment, partly the spiritual growth, partly the inner work that helps you begin to know who you are and the, what your purpose is. I think there's a big part there, you know. When we begin to know what our purpose is, it's like something inside us really begins to blossom. And all of these little insecurities about, you know, whether I can speak in public or whatever, you know, that we carry, begin to fall away because we develop that inner core of certainty and strength and, you know, I know what I'm here to do. I really do believe that our, we come in, you know, our soul knows. What we're here for, most of the journey is trying to connect with that and find out what it is. But once we understand that about ourselves, it's very easy to, you know, all those things that stopped you owning your power just fall away.
0: And you were in a position and had a drive that enabled you to know you had to come here as well oh, yes. as, as a key I, and I yeah. just as a fellow Brit and that's one of the things I've always loved whenever we've got to connect over here that was similar for me I first met you when I was doing a workshop here in LA in 2008 and I wasn't living here then but I, I at that I was already at that point knowing I had to come here because just the 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 energy of our field over here was drawing me and pulling me and Equally, I think one of the gifts and the exchanges between the Brits and the Americans is, I think that there is a, a kind of, they're like two ends of an energy scale. Yes. And I feel like uh, the Americans are good for the Brits and the Brits are good for the Americans. <laughs> and I, I definitely needed to, um, I, I felt like I was reasonably confident in England. And then I came here and found all my British lack of confidence. It's like it came up in me in a way that I wasn't anticipating, not so much in work, but just in interacting with America in the first years I was here. But now I've been here seven years, and so I'm a little more used to this field. And it has been good for me. It's brought me a little more out of my shell versus who I was with my British conditioning, which holds a lot of gifts, as we know. Yes. And, and, and I do think language is one of the gifts of England. It's so It's got such a rich history with language and communication, mm-hmm. one of your specialties, and yet I feel like there is an openness in, in America and in, in, in American people yeah. generally that, that, that is a really good uh, good thing for, for the Brits.
1: Yeah, I sometimes wish we could, you know, take, take know. the best of the two and put them together. What I find with Americans is they are open. They enabled me to be more open. They're more accepting. Yeah. they're more willing to cheer you on, yes um, and say, "Go for it, yes. and um, you know you get that confidence of i can I can try this out, and yeah. confidence is built upon the experience of success, yeah, and you've got to keep having that success to build your confidence and I think that's one of the lovely things about America and Americans is that they will give you a chance and they will cheer you on
0: yeah and and I have to say that as a country having lived in a few different places here and traveled quite a bit man the the nature here and just the the epic the epicness of this country is is really is really extraordinary
1: when you think about why this country was linda goodman had a wonderful scenario for why this country became a country and what the vision of the founding fathers was and it really was about creating this wonderful all-inclusive community, you know, and it's written in, you know, the constitution and in what is it, bring me your poor, bring me your mm. whatever, disaffected. It was meant to be a, a wonderful experiment in taking in all different cultures and becoming one big family.
0: Mm.
1: And one day America will find its way back to that.
0: I feel that too. The, the Zs have always, the Zs channel, for those of you who are just new to the show, They've always said that America is a really key power center for the Earth's evolution at this time, Um, which is you know it's there's so many minutiae that we can all react to right now, but I think it's important to keep the bigger picture perspective as well. Um, So speaking of bigger picture perspective, and because we're coming to the end of our time together, um, what are you hoping that people in the No Bullshit Spiritual Book Club will take away? from being part of what you're creating?
1: Well, I hope first and foremost, that they get some direction, you know, that will help them find what they need to grow on their path, because I think that's that's an urgency. We all need to find that. I hope they find community. I hope they find authenticity. And I hope that, you know, they begin to find out who they are and, how magnificent they are and what they've got. And that's that's my criteria. You know, the books that I want to recommend personally myself are going to be the books that I think can give them that understanding of who they are and what they're capable of.
0: I'm thrilled you're doing it, and I'm thrilled you're doing it for you personally, and I'm thrilled you're doing it for people and for the world, because even though I know that the title is the No Bullshit Spiritual Book Club, the arc over it energetically is just this community that I can yeah. see and feel. And um, it's fantastic. So if I wanted to find you, obviously, we will share all links underneath the videos um, in the description if you're listening to this as a podcast. But where would people find you and the book club?
1: You'll find it on my website, which is not just about the book club. It's about the other things that I do as well, which is sandysedgebeer.com.
0: Sandysedgebeer.com. And Sandy, you also, for anyone who's listening who um, who is an <laughs> author or someone who works in this field, you also offer PR and all kinds of services to yeah. people in our field too. And I know many contemporaries who have worked with you and raved about you. So so um, that that might be worth checking out too if you're interested. But thank you for being with us today. It's
1: been so much fun. Thank yeah. you for inviting yeah. me.
0: I'm really excited for you. So thank you for tuning in and... If you want to check out Sandy's Club, you can check all of the links underneath this video. Um, or if you're tuning in by listening, you can check in the info box for the podcast. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to Impact the World. For more of my work, please visit leharrisenergy.com.